Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to New Books in Children's Literature. I'm host Susan Robb, and today we're talking about a new book called The Water Princess, which is based on the childhood experience of Georgie Bedeal. And it's written by Susan Verde and published by G.P. Putnam's Sons, illustrated by Peter Reynolds. So first, um, Susan... Uh, is here talking with us about this. And Susan, thank you for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. Now, this is a fascinating story and just an absolutely stunning book. When I, yeah, when I, when I read it, it really came across to me like a folktale. It's it's just um, so poignant and just beautifully, beautifully done, but it's actually based on, uh, the childhood story of Georgie's, who is a model and um, and very well known now, and it's about her early life in Burkina Faso. So, how when you talk about the book to others who haven't seen it yet, how do you describe the story? Um, I describe the story really as a a, a story of um, a young girl's journey to find clean water. And uh, the hope that she carries with her as she, you know, searches to bring clean water to her village and her family. No, it's interesting. Um, and, I, and I always emphasize, of course, that it's, you know, completely based in, in reality, that it's a, a story that happened, but it's a story that continues to happen every day. Yeah, I was uh, reading some numbers, and it said more than 2,800 children under the age of five um, die each year there from a lack of clean water, and that uh, and that for a lot of children, and you portray this in the book, for a lot of children, it's the reason they can't go to school, right? Right. Yeah, it keeps them home, especially girls. Um, it keeps them home from school because they, they have to spend the entire day walking to a water source with with their families and then bringing bringing enough water back home only to start again the next morning. So, you know, there's no way they can they can go to school um, because they have this job every day of bringing water back to their home. And as the statistics are terrible, you know, they die from disease, lack of water or lack of clean water. 
Um, it's just, it's just not great. Now, this is West Africa, correct? Yes. Yeah. And how much, when you were starting to work on this, how much did you know about that area? Uh, what did you have to learn to get up to speed? You know, I didn't know a lot about that particular area. I'd been to Africa before. Um, I'd been to Botswana and um, Zimbabwe and a million years ago. And I'd heard about and seen, of course, on the news and around um, the, the water issue. I, you know, I'd heard about it in Africa and India and other places around the world. Um, but I, I needed to do some real research. And thankfully, I had Georgie, who was my, you know, main resource to give me all the information about what it was like in that particular area of Africa. Now, how did you first hear about her story? Did did the publisher come to you? Did you hear the story and go to the publisher? No, it was a strange and interesting series of events. So Peter Reynolds, um, who he and I have done other books together, uh, he was out in, I live in East Hampton, and he was in Southampton teaching a, a, a workshop at the Children's Literature Conference, which he had done before. And um, one morning he was standing in line at one of the local coffee shops and there was this incredible woman standing in front of him with her children. And I think he started talking to her about his books and trying to help her occupy her kids while she was in line. And it turned out that she, um, her name was Magdala Cooper, and she had this foundation uh, and she was raising money to build schools in Liberia. And she was having a fundraiser that evening, so she invited Peter, and he agreed, and he went. And at that fundraiser, he briefly met Georgie, who was a very close friend of this woman, Magdala. And then months later, there was a Women in the World uh, conference happening in New York City, and Magdala invited Peter to attend because he was in the city for other things. And he went and met Georgie once again, and when they started speaking, Georgie told him of her dream to have her story out there in picture book form. Um, and the minute he heard this, he emailed me, I happened to be in the city at the time, and said, you, you need to meet with this woman and hear her story. I, I think this is really special. And I called her right away and we met for coffee and we talked for hours and we just fell in love with one another on a personal level, but then... Her story was so moving that I, I just, I was compelled to write. It, it just had to happen. So then the three of us collaborated over about a year um, to create this, this book. Hmm. And it's an unusual way for one to come yeah. together, but it's a great story. <laughs> so uh, some of what I read, there, there are different parts of, of her story, but, you know, the fact that her father was determined for his kids and there were 10 of them, right. Uh, to be educated and, yeah. uh, that, that all of this played into her, you know, wanting to be educated, but then also having to do what she had to do to, to help her family. So, so describe that if you would, her, her story and how, how she came to be in the position and, and the career that she is in now, do you know? Yes. So she, um, from what she told me and, and what we've talked about over all this time, she um, 
her father was very determined, which was rare for, for a father to be, you know, to encourage his daughters, especially to get an education. Um, but he really encouraged her. But at the same time, she was visiting her grandmother and it was in her grandmother's village that she did all of the walking to get water. Um, and it, it was difficult to stay in school and to focus in school because she was always thirsty. Um, and it was really challenging to focus on her studies. And then in addition, when she wasn't trying to get an education, she was walking all these miles to, to get this water for her grandmother and her sisters and all of that. And um, during this time period, someone approached her and told her, oh, you, you, you should be a model. You could do some modeling. And Georgie said, well, is, you know, is there money? And that's because she wanted to be able to help her family. And they said, yes, why don't you just try it? So she, she entered some local pageants and then ultimately became Miss Africa. I know, and, which is amazing. Um, I know, and was discovered by some agencies in, in Europe who then brought her over to France and England, and that's when she began her, her modeling career. But all this time in the back of her mind, she was thinking about this family that she had sort of left behind and knew that when she finally had the opportunity and the means and the time that she wanted to give back and, and get them access to clean water. I think it really hit home. She went back to visit and her sister was, you know, nine months pregnant with two other children and still had to get up at 4 a.m. to carry these giant pots on her head to go get water from a very far away source. And Georgie, it was at that moment when Georgie was like, this is enough. I really need to do something now. Really amazing. Now, I was thinking when you, in, in looking at her story, you're telling this for a very, very young audience. So what were the challenges in trying to figure out how to convey the story or, or, you know, how much to fictionalize, how you wanted to do it? Right. Well, it was challenging because I, I, you know, it was important to sort of get the message of there is this problem. And we all need to do our part to to help fix it. But at the same time, you know, you're writing for children and you're writing about a child. So there needed to be those elements of playfulness. Um, You know, kids are kids. And even in a dire situation, they'll find a way to have fun, to to find the joy. So even when Georgie in the book, when Gigi, the, the character, is sitting at the, you know, waiting for her turn at the water source to scoop up her water. She's playing games with her friends. Um, the journey there is full of song. You know, there were there had to be these elements of playfulness. They, the, when she asks, are we there yet? I mean, every parent has their <laughs> child ask that when they're going somewhere. So there needed to be those those elements and also that element of hope. You know, kids are really good at coming up with solutions because they're so uncluttered by the we can't and this is not possible and that you know they just they just want to help so all of those elements needed to be there but as you know with picture books the language has to be quite simple but say a lot so there were a number of challenges um but you know it just the story was so important it, it just seemed to flow now you also have nonfiction components worked into the book too 
Yes, yes, we do. There were, um, for example, the when they stopped at the Karike tree to get shea nuts. I mean, that was something that they did. I, I, you know, Georgie gave me a lot of real things. The 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 song they would sing on their on their walk. Um, the pots they carried on their heads were, you know, quite heavy and and sort of replaced any kind of headdress or crown that they might wear. So there were, and then Peter, of course, had to do a lot of research in terms of the visuals, you know, picking up on or depicting just the right uh, geography. So there, there was a lot of, of, of real elements put into the book. Yeah, that was what, one of the things I was I was wondering about was what you had to learn about the back history um, and the current environmental issues there as you were working on it. Yeah, we she she told us you know we we learned a lot about um, the how it's very dry, how there isn't a lot of green. We learned a lot about how the women walk together and the children come along and were there animals, were there not animals? You know, there were a lot of there were a lot of little facts that we we needed to know before we could put it all together. Now, the other thing about this is it ties in with the work of two foundations. Um, One is Georgie uh, Badiel's, and the other is called the Ryan's Well Foundation, which I know is based in um, Ontario. And both of those are dedicated to building wells in Africa and then other countries. So how did that piece, I mean, I, I, like the Ryan's Well piece, how did that all come together? Well, that was interesting because the intention had always been to connect, you know, once we, the, the story was written and, and we were moving further along with the creation of the book, the intention was to partner with um, a foundation that would create wells in Burkina Faso uh, and bring water to the people. So we had always wanted, you know, a portion of the funds to go, of the proceeds to go to some organization that would, in fact, build these wells. Um, and it was that was a very difficult piece of the journey. Georgie and I together researched and interviewed and met with um, a, a large number of these big organizations that, you know, build wells. Um, sadly, a lot of them either didn't build in Burkina Faso or couldn't guarantee that the funds they were given would go to that part of Africa. You know, they would go other places. And it was it was very important to Georgie especially, but to all of us, that at least we begin by bringing water to Burkina Faso since that was the whole, you know, basis for the story. Um, and finally, after sort of some cold calling, I found this foundation called Ryan's Well. And it, it, the perfect things about it are that, A, they... They built in Burkina Faso, and they could guarantee that the wells would be there. And B, the foundation was started by an eight-year-old boy. Yeah, it's an amazing um, story. So it was such a fantastic, you know, serendipitous connection. And they were amazing. And through them, we actually, from our advances for the book, once it was sold, we built a well in um, in Burkina Faso in a school there. And in the back of the book, there are photos and some actual factual information about that whole process. And in the meantime, 
through her frustration with all of this, you know, difficulty finding places to build in Burkina Faso, Georgie started her own foundation. And, um, you know, that wasn't easy either, but she, she pushed it through and now it's a real functioning 501c3 foundation and um, she's doing a lot of great work. Yeah, my understanding is that she's doing that work about digging wells and um, involved with water treatment facilities and then also mm-hmm. um, tied in with education for women and children. And for people who don't know, because I, I um, am familiar with Ryan's Well and have admired them for a very long time, that's an organization that began in 2001 um, and they've completed over 500 projects in bringing clean water uh, to um, 70, 750,000 people in developing countries. It's an amazing, amazing story. And true they're that it started by a yeah, young they, they're, boy. They're just, you know, a, a handful of them working there too. So it's really hands-on, dedicated work that they're doing. Yeah. And an example of, you know, sort of where your book um, introduces kids to import such an important issue and the fact that a young person can make a tremendous difference. This was right. Exactly. Now, uh, one of the things that I had noticed is you're quoted in an article in the New York post saying, uh, that children have an innate sense of empathy. And when they're inspired by a story, um, they come up with amazing ways to help. So what kinds of conversations have you had with kids when you've been out talking about this book? Kids kids are amazing. I mean, this is part of why I love what I do. <laughs> they, they just, you know, I mean, just like Ryan, when he was little, they just, they want to help. They hear a story about someone their own age struggling they, they just want to help. So the conversations are, well, what can we do in our own, you know, backyard to kind of conserve water? Do we need, they, they talk about, you know, how much they use water um, and don't think about it sometimes and how, and that all of this kind of gratitude conversation comes about. And then they start brainstorming. What can we do? How can we have fundraisers? I want to send all my pennies. I want to send all my clothes. I want to send books to schools. I mean, they just, they come up with lists of ideas. And much of the time, their teachers and parents help them implement these things. Um, You know, they, they, they want to know more. And they want to know how it's being, how people are helping. That's really what they want to know. How are other people helping and how can I help? Um, and so we, we have a lot of those conversations. And, uh, you know, it, it crosses gender, it crosses race, it crosses, um, uh, you know, money. It, it crosses all kinds of lines and levels. I mean, kids, they just, they just want to connect. I, 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 it's, incredible when we have these discussions. What about uh, how this fits in with your larger body of work? Yes. So, I mean, for me, all the books I'm, I'm working on and I've done so far, I, I, I've really made an effort to kind of capture that unique experience um, of a child. And what they have to offer 
and how they might view the world. I mean, the museum is, you know, about a child connecting with art and being inspired by it, but it's really this kind of visceral reaction response um, that, that I witness, that I feel, that I think, you know, kids have this great voice and this great way to inspire and express themselves. And, and my hope is that that's what I'm putting out there. And then how do you, when you have found topics, how did different of the books that you've worked on, how did, how did they start? Um, you know, they just sort of come from either my own experience. I feel like a lot of times when we write, we're kind of working our own things out, you know, <laughs> we dip into our own childhood and, and work it all out through our writing. But, um, a lot of the experiences have come from what I've gone through and, and also what I witnessed in my own children. Um, that's where the museum came from, actually, was inspired by my son when we had a, a, an experience at a museum out here. And You and Me about friendship actually was inspired by my meeting uh, Peter Reynolds at, at a workshop and how, you know, if one thing had gone differently, it all would have been different. Um, but then it got me thinking about, well, how do, how do kids view that kind of encounter and that kind of chance meeting, you know, um, and I am yoga was all about, I didn't want it to be instructional. I really wanted it to be more about how kids feel in their bodies, in their minds when they're doing this incredible practice. And because I'm fortunate enough to teach yoga to kids and mindfulness, uh, I got to witness all of that. So it's really kind of having that radar on and paying attention to kids and their responses and, and giving some validity to that voice. And what do you tell other uh, people who, which I'm sure happens, come up to you and say, oh, they'd like to write for children? Uh, what was your path and uh, what do you advise people? Well, I had a bit of a unique path in that I, you know, I'd been writing for a long time, but um, I met Peter at this uh, children's literature conference, and I got to show him some of my work, and he asked to illustrate the museum. Um, so I was kind of brought in that way and then found an agent and all of that. So, um, you know, I didn't go through the sending the query letter process. Um, so it's, it's a little challenging to advise in that respect, but what I do say is keep writing, keep writing, find your voice, don't give up, um, write every day. And when you get the chance to share and show your work, do it, you know, write your query letters, reach out to people and just keep it going. Don't, don't get discouraged. Um, because we need, we need more voices for children in the world. So, uh, you know, that's the best advice I can give them is to just keep it going and stay true to, to what they're trying to express. What about your process? What's, what's the experience for you when you write? I mean, people come at it so many different ways. Yeah, I, you know, I, I make myself write every day. <laughs> Sometimes nothing really happens. Sometimes I write a bunch of ideas down and sometimes something will hit me and it just 
it just pours out. Um, I do have, a, you know, I have my own rituals. I, I, uh, I like, there's a local Starbucks out here, which I've called my office. Um, <laughs> in fact, it was re it was re revamped recently and it, you know, it was closed for a little while. And when I returned to it, when it reopened, someone came in and said, Oh, how do you like your new office? So <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's great. So, you know, I typically, while the kids are in school, I kind of plant myself there with my latte and write. It's, I don't, I'm not as good at doing uh, my writing in the, in my own home and, you know, the quiet and solitude. I, I need a little energy and a little life going on around me. Um, so that's more, that's my process, but I, I try to write every day and be open to what is happening around me. And this is where my mindfulness practice really helps because I try to pay attention and notice what I'm experiencing. It's, you know, any given moment, because anything could be a story. Um, and when it hits me, I write it down. I write it down. Sometimes it hits me in the worst place, you know, in the shower, in the car. But you write it down. And your process once you get going on something? Once people I get going, I just, I let it all kind of flow. I don't worry about punctuation or, you know, how many words I'm writing or how many pages this might be, or even necessarily the story arc, you know, the, what's the tension, what's the resolution. I just write. And then, that, you know, that's what um, revising is for. You get it all out and then you go back or I go back. And that's when I start to pull things out or make changes or, you know, scrap the whole thing or pick bits and pieces. I mean, it's really just, getting the thought, getting the words out, and then going back and revisiting. And then a couple couple more things I just wanted to ask you. First of all, sure. what are you working on next? I have a new book coming out, actually, in um, April. And it's my first book without Peter Reynolds, actually. Um, and it's, it's published by Abrams. It's called My Kicks. Hmm. Um, it's a, really a story of sort of honoring the old and embracing the new and growing up. Um, but it's told through a boy and his relationship with his sneakers. <laughs> um, I'm really excited for it. I, I love it. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And then um, there is probably going to be something else coming out with Peter. Uh and then I've got, you know, I've got a few more. I've got a, a, another book that I'm very excited about in uh, 2018, which is um, about street art, actually, and a boy and his neighborhood and a giant wall and uh, the transformation of his neighborhood through street art. That was a big part of my 20s. I was really involved with street art and artists. So that was a fun one to do. Yeah, and then you know, there's there's a few more on the pipeline too. So <laughs> got a lot going on. And then what? My my other one thing I did want to remember to ask you. So, what do your kids think about your writing, and how much input do they like to give? Well, they um, they're actually they're actually kind of amazing. They're you know they're sort of my biggest champions, and the ones I read things to, um, they're often brutally honest, which is good. <laughs> But, you know, I, I like to actually, it was my son, Joshua, who came up with the title, The Water Princess, 
when we were thinking about what to call the story. Um, so they're, they're a great source of support and inspiration. The only thing they're not into anymore, you know, I used to take them whenever I do a bookstore visit or a, a, a launch or a library or whatever, and they're, they're over that part. They're, they're just not interested in that anymore. But they're happy to listen, and they're happy to, you know, cheer me on. Um, so they, they've, been, they've been great. They're really great. That's great. Yeah, it is. It's fun. And it's also as they get to different ages, it's interesting how they will won't connect with things. That's definitely something yeah. I've seen too. I mean, they're almost, thir- you know, I have twin boys who are almost 13 and an 11 year old girl. So they're sort of, you know, that's great, mom, but we don't need to be there with you. We think you're awesome. <laughs> but they're also providing me with a lot of interesting, you know, stories that happen at, at their age. So it's kind of nice for me because I can look to maybe writing for a little bit older or, you know, I, I get a lot of information and inspiration from them still in a, in a different way. Yeah. I had wondered about that. If you were age bracket wise, whether you were thinking in a number of different directions. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm branching out. I'm, I'm um, one of my goals is to definitely write for, you know, middle grade uh, because there's so much that happens. My goodness. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, broadening. Well, it's fun. Well, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing more of that. And let me just, uh, mention for people who might want to learn more about this, uh, that you can, they can visit, uh, Ryan's well, right. It's ryanswell.ca and then, um, Georgie's, uh, foundation. It's the uh, Georgie Badiel, B-A-D-I-E-L, foundation.org. And then they can go to your website, too. Uh, yeah. So, and then SusanVerde.com, um, you can find out information on this and all the other books. And, uh, yeah, and on Facebook. I'm on Facebook as well. Um so yeah, they're there and they're and you can always go to Peter Reynolds' site as well. Right. Peter H. Reynolds.com. Right. And yeah. and your site is V E R D E for people who are looking yes. at Susan Verde. Yes. Uh so great. Well, Susan, thank you so much um for talking with me. I'm really glad we got to talk about this book because I think it's um well beautiful, it's important and uh something that I think people uh would do well to spend time with and and see how they could maybe even get kids connected to some of these uh different organizations yeah it's wonderful thank you i'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk about it and uh this has been great thank you great thanks so much